0: For the record, actually, September 22nd is the first day of fall.
1: <laughs> so basically Starbucks, you're a month early, chill out. Hey y'all, this is Trudy. Hello friends. This is Louisa, better known as Louise. and you're listening to That's Not How That Works. This show is about diversity,
0: inclusion, and equity and how these things show up or don't in the coaching and personal development industry and our broader communities.
1: So, if you like what you hear, join us in our Facebook group to continue the conversation. Enjoy the show.
0: Hey, y'all. Hello, friends. What is up? Welcome to this episode of Thats Not How That works. How you doing? These <sighs> I'm good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Life is happening.
0: It is not the fall. I, I just want to say I want to open up <laughs> with that the fact that it is not the fall. And yet, and yet, Pumpkin Swirl is back. On the, I was going to say,
1: hold on. Let me pull, I want to pull up this text message and read it for accuracy. So for y'all that are new to our show or have just not been here for the last however many falls, um, you don't know that Trudy not only has the deepest of disdains for Pumpkin Spice, But that every time she goes to get coffee, and now mind you, I have been with Trudy when she orders coffee and it is very clear. Nowhere in there is the words pumpkin or spice, right? It's always like very specifically like a vanilla or a caramel. It's a very, very, very very specific order. And yet we, I have actually been with her because she used to be like, she used to call me or text me and be like, yo, I just got coffee and I drove away and I took a sip and there's pumpkin spice in it. And I'd be like, okay, maybe you're ordering wrong. Like, okay, that's like, okay, how could they mess that up that many times? And then I was with her once and we ordered coffee and and I was like, take a sip before we leave. And she did. And it was pumpkin spice. So what day was this? On Sunday in August, on August 24th, Starbucks announced the release of pumpkin spice. And so I took a screenshot. Of it, it says pumpkin spice has entered the chat, and I said, on a scale of one to three hundred and seventy-one million six hundred and
0: seventeen, how mad are you right now? Pretty fucking mad. There were some expletives.
1: There were there were some expletives in the response, and I just literally died laughing. I died laughing. um So this is a thing. Every fall, y'all will hear That's every cool. time we record. Now I will ask Trudy what her coffee experience was like this week. I don't know why it makes me giggle to the depths of my soul, but it does. Probably because
0: it just makes me so irrationally upset. Yes. And I'm not someone who just gets upset. Like I don't, no. but like I get so angry.
1: No, it's like, yeah, full rage. It's very,
0: it's very exciting because it, it's like people aren't listening to me. I feel like people are not listening to me. When I order my coffee and I get pumpkins spice or swirl or whatever the hell whatever coffee shop has it's like you're not paying attention to what i've said nor to the bottle of flavoring that you were putting you're just like assuming that everyone who comes in between the months of october i mean august and november wants pumpkin spice lattes and i'm just highly offended that's it that's all i'll say about that for now
1: But for the record, actually, September 22nd is the first day of fall. (laughs) So basically, Starbucks, you're a month early. Chill out. One. Two, my question is, so Red Bay has a yam and like sweet potato pie latte. Would you try that? I would try that. It's bomb. I would try that. Yeah. Shout out to Red Bay. Yeah. That's Um, their seasonal drink. Anyways. Hello, everyone. It is not fall, but it is September. Now you are all caught up. (laughs) One of these days, I'm going to record your facial expressions as you when I describe these situations because I think that's what gets me is like the genuine <laughs> rage in your face. Like, how dare these people? It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> we all have our things. We do. We do. I um, I definitely have mine. <laughs> you all have heard them over the years. <gasps> years. <gasps> oh, oh
0: my God! It's been years. years.
1: We used. It's been years. I incredible. know. Years. At least four.
0: Oh my right? gosh, I can't even I this
1: don't know. This is year four? Something something like that. 18? Yeah. Yeah, that's how math works. Yep, yeah, math. I yeah. was trying to remember if it was 18, 17 or 18. 18. Whoa. We started recording in 18. February 2018. Yep. Yeah. That's about right. And it's here we cool. are, friends.
0: This is the longest job I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that you've actually liked. Speaking of... That's a perfect segue to today's yes, topic. Yeah, had perfect. I didn't even know. Did you do that? No, oh, okay. I no. I was, I was like, oh, well done. Um but Today, we are talking about, our theme is leave the corporate trauma at home slash at the corporation slash at the office slash somewhere else. Put it in a box, send it down the river. Like, yeah. just leave it behind. Um All right, Trudy, why are we talking about this today?
0: So the reason that we're talking about this is because you and I, Um, You know, and and many others, but you and I is something that we talk about a lot. Is trying to be the kind of leaders in our organizations, the kind of leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs that are really trying to disrupt how business is done. Right. In fact, just finished writing a whole book about (laughs) a whole book about it. (laughs) Right. And this is something that we take very seriously, and that we see as an active practice, like many of the things we talk about. Right. Not like a set of decisions that you make or like a concept and ideology, but that there are actually things that we do. And this is very important to both of us. And so we've talked about it a lot over the years. And as our teams have grown, and as I certainly know, as I've supported other people who are trying to implement these more, um, you know, equitable practices in their in their companies, that it is it can really be a shock to the system of employees and you know, team members who are who have been working in tradition, traditional, traditional, um, yeah, you know, whatever that whatever that means, but corporate mm-hmm. institutions, nonprofit institutions, places that are really heavily seeped with whiteness, white supremacy, oppressive, exploitative practices that have really just become like the standard quo. Like I don't know how many times I've heard people over the years just be like, "Well, oh, that's just how it is." Mm-hmm. But when people bring that into an institution that is trying to be more equitable, it can be difficult to work with. And, you know, obviously like trauma is a serious thing and we don't always have control over how we, you know, how trauma manifests in the way that we kind of show up in our life and in our bodies and our work and whatever. But, and right, there is, we, we have to, I think part of a liberation practice, like as all of us are trying to be more liberated in our life is is identifying what that baggage is that we're carrying from the other the past places that we've worked and in starting to like, it really intentionally let those things go. So that's what we're talking about.
1: Did I miss anything? I know, I'm like, I feel like you legit hit on all of it. I'm like doing the list in my head. Yeah. Cool. Yes. So let's get into it. Yeah. Let's start with. So what do we actually mean by corporate trauma? Um, so you gave us like a good little like synopsis. When I think about corporate trauma, I literally think about. Right. So I think most of us have a fairly clear understanding of trauma. I say fairly clear because like with all things that the internet touches and by the internet i mean fake ass experts on social media who create really pretty graphics you can listen to our last episode so you want to talk about accountability for more on that trauma has been co-opted and trauma has like become this thing right so to be clear there's a difference between emotional reactivity right so just having an emotional response and reaction to things because you're human and right. you're going <laughs> to like you're supposed to be able to like experience the full ray array right of emotions yeah. And then there's trauma. Trauma is literally the like simplest form of it is my body can't tell the difference between a real and present threat and a past threat that I've experienced. And I'm responding to the belief, my body's belief that I am in danger. Right. Now in corporations, this looks or in, in professional worlds, right? This looks like i'm going to get fired i'm going to get written up i could be demoted like basically my quote unquote livelihood my financial survival my my professional survival is on the line yeah. and typically it's because corporations work just like every other aspect of white supremacy that you know we mm-hmm. experience in both making sure that it creates power dynamics and power structures and then reinforces those through oppressive behaviors, yeah. practices, procedures, policies, uh, policies, language, so on and so forth. So the same way that you experience trauma in your real life based on like your you know your social identities, you experience corporate trauma based on your positionality within the the corporate hierarchy. Yeah.
0: The other ways that this can can look is like in people's like some of those patterns where people feel like I can't collaborate because everything needs to be my idea. I have to do it Mm -hmm. all. If I tell someone Mm -hmm. I need, I need help, you know, just like this insecurity around your role and it impacts like the way that you work or don't work with other people.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really big one because what we know about, especially like Western societies, right. is like hyper individualism competition. All of those things are bred into our society. And so we see them ownership. Exactly. So we don't have collective collaborative, you know, kind of like communal beliefs and practices. So then you see that transfer into corporate America. And unfortunately, we've seen this happen. Like somebody who's a junior does a dope ass brief or has a dope ass idea or puts in hours and hours and hours of work. And somebody else who either is senior to them in the hierarchy and or is like low key wild cutthroat. Yeah. Even if they're their peer will take credit for all of the work so that they can get that leg up. So then exactly people start like ideal hoarding, right? They don't want to work with other people. They isolate themselves either because they're like, I don't want anyone else to take my shit and benefit off of it. Cause I've seen it happen. Right. It's happened to me or I've seen it happen to other people. Or I don't want anyone to think that I'm not capable of doing my job. And so if I don't prove, if I'm not hyper productive and prove that I'm, worth the money or the promotion or whatever 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 then you know they're going to see me as dead weight and I'm going to get cut yeah because unfortunately it is a direct mirror of the society that we live yeah, in yeah exactly exactly
0: the other thing is like you know I don't know how many times I've seen this happen right where someone is you know there's several people in a meeting one person will tra- take credit for the idea that yes. is clearly someone else's but for some mm-hmm. reason that other person the originator of the idea can't speak up yep because they feel like they have to stay silent maybe the other person is more senior maybe they feel like the rules of the space are that they can't just like name oh i'm i'm glad you brought that up when i brought it to you last week i didn't realize that you you know like i, I it was it was a great
1: idea it. yeah 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 i think it's also important to name just before we get too too much further into the episode, to our conversation, that naturally, everybody, everybody, regardless of social identity, is susceptible to experiencing corporate trauma based on their role and their positionality in the corporate structure. Mm -hmm. And at the intersection of marginalized social identities, that reality is compounded. I think obviously if you're listening to this episode, whatever, we're damn near hundred episodes in and you've been with us this whole time that to you, you know, goes without saying, but if you're new here, remember that we're always looking at things from an intersectional lens. And that always, always, always is like the baseline. Like reality. Everything we're saying is always compounded for those with marginalized identities, especially if they have multiple marginalized identities. So just wanted to say that, but yeah. Perfect. That is a thousand percent real. Yeah. The like, you, you're watching somebody be like, this idea, da-da-da, and you're just sitting there like stuck. Like, did this motherfucker just... And then you just go home mad. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That has happened to me. I've seen it happen mm-hmm. to others. And mm-hmm. you know, like, it's just... And the, you're right the, that the identity plays such a big part because I've seen it happen and I've I've experienced it happen when people who hold more mainstream identities, you know, uh, take those ideas. I've also seen the opposite where folks who have marginalized ideas will, or identities will do the same thing, but they're playing by the rules that they have been taught. Yes. By corporate, you know, structure. And what, so they're right. upholding. And we've talked about this, like anyone oh, yeah. can, can lift up, you know, like toxic white supremacist patriarchal practices no matter yep. what
1: identity you hold yeah i mean we've talked about it right like increasing your proximity to whiteness yeah because you think that's the only way to succeed or get ahead or or be safe and so on and so forth right like yes the dynamics are different and the the reason and rationale uh, is different as to yeah. why we're doing it but yeah. everybody yep is 1000 percent capable of reproducing these so, dealing with
0: all of those things like just can get complicated. you know it, yeah, it can get complicated over time so, but it's super unhealthy.
1: oh yeah, it's yeah, super yeah, yeah. unhealthy <laughs> it's,
0: but not okay. it's not okay because it starts to, what what happens is that it starts to impact your your per, your relationship to yourself and your relationship mm-hmm. to your own like um professionalism and your relationship to your, like what, and whatever, however you define professionalism for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And it also starts to mess with your relationship between like your confidence and your ability to like do work and be successful as an employee and your personhood. Right. Like it just starts to like really interrupt that because if we're carrying around from place after place, like all of these fears and trauma responses right to being in these places where uh i think we, we were talking about this earlier and we try to make a pa- practice about not doing it uh but when you hit someone up and you're like hey can we talk real quick yeah right and it's just like oh wait what like we assume like, that it's like fired. the worst <laughs> possible thing even though like there's no reason like the chances that it could be a negative thing but like there's way more likelihood that it's not that right unless you know you've done something wrong right but like all of the things that it brings up like it really starts to impact your ability and it becomes a self-fulfilling thing where now like you're
1: not performing well because you're so anxious all the time yeah and you're also you know we we have this narrative of like work-life balance. But the reality Mm. is that if your workplace is constantly attacking your personhood, right, is constantly requiring you to either play small or be fragmented parts of yourself or like shield yourself and basically just like, not live fully into your humanity and your own personhood, then you're never gonna have a work life balance because then when you're not at work, right, you're decompressing and thinking about the shit from work. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're recovering from work or you're dealing with the anxiety from work. And so like that absolutely then impacts your ability to like connect to your community and enjoy your life outside of work and then show up as a full human there. Like it gets so tangled. We can't just decide like, oh, I'm gonna leave All of the trauma and the emotional reactivity from my nine to five, like at 501. That's not how the body works, right? And that's not how the mind works. And then the reality is, people will think, oh, well, it's just this job, it's just this corporation. So I'm going to go somewhere else. But if you are not properly vetting the spaces that you enter into, if you're not properly vetting the corporate culture of a potential new employer, then all you're doing is guaranteeing that you're switching one, you know, oppressive corporate system and environment for another. Right. And you're going to continue to reproduce it.
0: Right. And and also like the, the part that I spend a lot of time talking to people about is when people are in a toxic culture for so long and th- what they say is, I'm going to do my own thing.
1: I'm yeah. going to build
0: my own business. But you haven't unpacked it's all of the stuff that you've been carrying yep. around and so you just then create it in your new the company exact same thing. you right and you become a, you become like an upholder mm-hmm. of those practices because it's what you've learned and so you just kind of take the structure that you've learned and you recreate it because you haven't replaced it with anything else
1: yeah i mean toxic it's super toxic yeah the other like thing that i noticed a lot is even if you don't decide to go start your own thing, right? Like start your own business. It is imperative that every single one of us. And so like, I want us to talk about how we do business differently, like how we've adopted, right? Non-oppressive business practices and what that looks like. But if you don't do your own work, every single one of us. Yes. To heal from corporate trauma, to be able to name it and to be able to navigate and like to understand that like, those are oppressive practices. And then here's my toolkit to combat them or to navigate them or to name them. If you don't do that work, then even when you enter into businesses like ours, every single time something happens, you're responding out of that trauma. And we, yeah. I, I want to talk about that because ev- almost every single person on my team, I have had to have a conversation with multiple times in the first few months around this. Yeah. Of like, hey, I just watched a whole thing happen. Or I know that you responded out of trauma because of the old places that you were at. Like, let's have a one-on-one, let's just touch base because I want to help you navigate like what's coming up for you, reaffirm and reassure you that like that, that this is not that. But also have to have a tough love conversation that like you need to commit to your own unpacking and healing around it. Because if you don't, it is going to continue to get in the way of your ability to do your job. And even though this is like a non-oppressive, decolonized business, We still need to get shit done. Yeah. And if you can't get shit done for whatever reason, we need to have conversations about that. Yeah. Or if you're insisting that the way to get things
0: done is about reproducing the things that you've learned before is that's not going to work. That's not going to work here. Yeah.
1: And that's the other thing is like I I, and we can talk about like what are the actual business practices look like. But there's also the reality that people don't like to name, which is like, and I'm, I'm sure that at some point in your business, you've had this as well, that like you also sometimes you can have all the conversations with people. But if they are committed to reproducing the systems that they've already learned inside your business, you mm-hmm. also have to be like, at this point, I have to let you go yeah. because you have brought all of that here. That's not how we operate. Right. And now it's having a negative impact on everybody else. Like you're, you are negatively impacting our business culture. Right. Because you're so committed to holding on to all of those systems and behaviors and practices and policies and the ways that you've been taught that, you know, explicitly we don't use here. We don't do that. Yeah. You know? So it, it sounds all fun and get not fun and games, but like fun and rainbows and unicorn and fluffy and like great to be like, yeah, I have non-oppressive business practices, but that doesn't just mean that you're just like letting people show up willy nilly and like do what they want to do in the name of humanity. Like, no, that's not it either. So what do non-oppressive business practices look like?
0: So one of the first things that always comes to mind when I think about this is an experience that I had at working at a nonprofit years ago, I remember going into work and I may have shared this on another episode before, but I remember going into work and, you know, it was probably like nine Oh five or something like that. And going to sign in back when, you know, some places still use the manual sign in. And there was like a red circle on my time sheet. And I looked at the red circle and I was like, "Uh, excuse me, like, what is this? I, you know, spoke to the administrative assistant who was sitting there and she was like looking at me. And I'll I'll never forget her face because the look that was on her face was just like, I didn't want to put that red circle there, but like, I was told I had to do this. This is our new policy that I have to implement. And what she explained was that the executive director told her that anyone who wasn't there exactly by nine o'clock, to circle their timesheet so that people couldn't come in and just write like nine to five on their timesheet. But here's the thing: in a nonprofit, no one's leaving at five anyway, right? Like I regularly worked till nine o'clock at night because I was like, literally, I drove a van and I would pick up, you know, like clients and drop them off at home and all of that. So, like, the message that was being sent there about around like punctuality was really a power play on behalf of the organization and really not necessary being that nothing was happening at nine o'clock. I wasn't late for anything. I wasn't late for a meeting. I I wasn't late for anything except for a time clock, you know, like a a clock. And so that is the, so all that to say the way that we use and manage time is one of the ways that corporate environments can be oppressive to people like arbitrary rules around starting or lateness, you know, or any of any of those kinds of things. So we have, for us, we don't have uh, a formal start time. We do have times that people need to be available during our workday for certain meetings that usually doesn't start till 10 o'clock in the morning after people have dropped kids off at work for or school, for example, or, you know, like whatever kinds of morning things that happened, you know, like someone woke up late or what, you know, like every people's morning routines are what they are. So there's really no need for anyone to be sitting in front of their computer exactly at nine o'clock in the morning And so for us, as long as people are checked in to our Slack channel and starting to work, they get to manage their own time. With the one caveat that like when we had meetings and like within within certain times of day, people do have to be available in case we need something. And we have policies that say like, if it's depending on the level of urgency, you might shoot a text to somebody's personal phone versus using Slack. So we have kind of
1: created some systems around that. Yeah, I think that is one of the biggest things that people on my team have, like, they like, it's like, it's almost like they feel like it's a setup. Right. You know what (laughs) I mean? Because I'll tell them, don't talk to me before 10 a.m. Yeah. Not, not, not on some, like, I don't want to talk to you, but I'm not showing up in the Slack before 10 a.m. I'm not taking meetings before 10 a.m. I like to have quiet mornings. I like to go walk my dog leisurely. I like to, you know what I mean? Like, I like to have my mornings to do all my things. And so if I'm going to create that precedent for myself, because I know what I need in the morning, I'm going to extend that to other people. And when people are onboarded, I ask them, is a 10 a.m. general availability start time cool for you? Like, and some folks are like, I have East Coast, West Coast, you know, folks are all over. So my 10 a.m. is obviously not their 10 a.m. But I let them know that because then it's like, okay, even if it's your 10 a.m. East Coast, like it's 7 a.m., You're still not going to hear from me until three hours, you know, later. So my 10 a.m. is your 1 p.m. So maybe you decide that you want to work from one to whatever because you don't actually want to work to West Coast times. Or maybe you want to have a shorter work day. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. You are a fully autonomous grown human. You know what your job responsibilities and roles are, you know, and we don't even use the language of deadlines. We call them deliverable dates and deliverable points, right? Um, because I hate that languaging around it. Yeah. But even that, like I'm like, you know what your deliverable times and dates are to your point. Check in Slack in the morning to see because people are at different times. Yep. Like check Slack in the morning to make sure that you know what's going on. Check Slack before you clock, out, quote unquote clock out for the day. Yep. And set your Slack notifications. Because you can customize when you get notifications, set your Slack notification availability to mirror whatever you want your workday to be so that when other people are working, you're not bothered and you don't have that sense of urgency of like, oh, I got a message. So I got to respond. And I tell people that all the time, even if something pops up in the middle of the day, just tap in. Hey, this just came up. Or I have somebody on my team that was like, look, I really want to get, you know, um, like my body movement and body health kind of like back to where I was a couple years ago, I found a really dope personal trainer. The only availability they have is like 1 PM, two days right. a week. I'm like, well, I don't care. Cool. Now everybody knows, like let's just communicate it to everyone. Right. From this time to this time, this person is not available. So if you need them for anything, holler at them before or know that they're going to hit you up after they've like gotten home, ate, showered, whatever. Right. Doesn't matter. The point is creating time structures and flexibility around people's authentic personhood. What makes them feel yeah. good? Yeah. How do they want to show up? Maybe they want to work at 1 a.m. I don't care. I don't. Knock yourself out. Right. Like, but also then creating systems of communication and like really transparent communication around that. And that's where I say the setup is because it's like people's past trauma will then show up. Yeah. And they'll be like, you know, whatever it is, it's like they won't communicate that they actually don't really want to take meetings before 11 a.m. PST because we has said 10 a.m., you know? But then every time we schedule a 10 a.m. meeting, you have a quote-unquote excuse or you have a, you know what I mean? Like you're never right. available anyways. Like, man, just be honest and say you don't want to talk to anyone before 11 a.m. Right. You know, like whatever the thing is. And so it's like, Having to like kind of push people also to be like, hey, um, are you never available because you have other things going on that you haven't communicated with us? Or do you just not want to talk to humans before I love and like, we just need to have an authentic right. conversation around this. It's not about setting you up. Right. Just say the thing. Just but again, I think it's like as leaders, because we've done our own work, we know where that comes from. So then we can have the conversations and we have to like, I find myself also like oftentimes like giving people permission slips by way of like reiterating things a lot of yeah. like, this is not a setup. I right. genuinely want to know X, Y, Z. Yeah. yeah, What makes you feel best? How do you like to communicate? Right. People still are like, uh, uh, you know, like they just, they still get tense and they still shut down and they still don't, don't feel comfortable communicating until they've been here for a couple months. And they're like, Oh, like, This actually is not a setup. I'm not. This is how we do things. Tested. Yeah. This is really how we do things. Or they'll see somebody else in the team be like, y'all, I didn't sleep well last night and I had a shitty morning and I just kind of hate the world today. Like I just got to clock out for a couple hours. I'll be back later tonight or tomorrow or whatever. You know, and typically the response is, are there any deadlines that are not deadlines? Are there any deliverable dates that need to be met that anybody needs something from this person immediately? Yeah. And sometimes it's like, nope, cool, go do your thing. And other times it's like, wait, I need this one thing. And then that person will be like, cool, I'll get it to you right now. And then I'm out. Nope. great, right? So then it's like, people will see that modeled behavior and then start to catch on. But that's actually the biggest one, I think, in terms of like practice and process and all of those things. It's like, it's really around time and autonomy and sovereignty of time.
0: And I'll say for people who like are shifting in their seats, obviously like if you have, a course, that a meeting that you have to be at, like, or like yeah. a, a commitment with clients and someone's responsible for like facilitating a call regularly. No, that person can't just be like, you know what today, actually, no, that's not what yeah, we're talking yes. about. Yeah. Like <laughs> We're talking about all the times that like actually don't require yes. it to happen at a certain time. And, right. you know, and also like partly part of this is like, you have to, now, I, I will also say this, if you're the kind of person, like if you're a leader and making these calls, if having a team that's on all these different schedules is going to drive you crazy and cause you like trigger your own like corporate trauma and now you got to micromanage everybody, that's not, this is not the path for you. <laughs> this is yeah, not. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's cool. But then you also get to communicate like, we need people to be working these types of schedules. My And this actually leads me to the next practice that we have. My thing is like, be really explicit in a job description. Like when you're Mm -hmm. hiring, what the expectations are, including if it's like this job, the part of the requirement for this job is that you're available between eight to four PST or Eastern time or whatever. Like if you put that in your job description, then people are are opting into that full with all of the information that they need Mm -hmm. and now you're good because you haven't set up you're not tricking anyone like you haven't you're being honest about what your needs are and you know like i'm gonna need to hire for example i'm gonna actually need to hire someone who can come and work like from my house sometimes Mm -hmm. that has to go in the job description right I, i shouldn't be having people like you know apply living an hour, three hours away. Like, no, like put, be transparent about you construct your job. So that, that is like my next kind of tip, right. Is to be really transparent or or transparency in general, particularly about what your needs are, what the needs are and expectations are. And this is where people start to this, this one, I get a lot of like side eyes in our job descriptions. We actually post non-negotiable starting salaries, So what I mean by that is, so our salary scale is transparent. All of our job descriptions are transparent. People can Mm -hmm. look at them. And, you know, like if you work here, you can look at what someone's job description is. Mm -hmm. We post it publicly. It's not a secret. Mm -hmm. And the starting salary for every position is posted on the job description. I won't actually even share a job posting if it does not include salary. Mm -hmm. Like if it's somebody else's company. And the reason that we post a non-negotiable starting salary is because when we make a call, on like what we're hiring for, we're considering what we can pay. We mm-hmm. are always doing our best to pay the most that we can for the mm-hmm. position. And I don't want to play this game with people around, like, I'm going to, this is what I can afford, but I'm going to offer you less because less. you're going to, yeah. you're going to no. ask for more. And like, you know, like this whole thing is like, it's unfair. It mm-hmm. leaves, it, it's an exploitation of the power that I hold because yeah. I have all the information for what we can actually pay. Yep. And if I don't offer you that, I'm trying to get away with something. Yep. That's how I see it. Yep. And the other thing is that like not posting, th- Where wh- this is one of my things, if, wherever there is a tra- uh, lack of transparency, you will find an mm-hmm. right? So if I don't post the salary or if I have this like, non-negotiable or or this like negotiable range that is where you'll find that is how people get away with paying black and brown folks less yep if you put it in the job description about exactly what you're going to pay it won't matter what the degree the degree somebody has yep. what identity yep. they hold whatever the resume is no you're paying the job you're paying the money for the job that the person is gonna that yeah. the person is gonna execute for you And that is something that makes a lot of people uncomfortable because what we're taught is that those things need to be secret and we need to like pay as little as possible and all that. So not only is it transparent, but it's like information that's available.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I also do in my uh, job postings and an interview process. So in my job postings, I also very explicitly in the post because I know that people are not always going to the website to like Mm -hmm. read the, values and ethos of the company or of the work i put it in there very explicitly like if by no in no uncertain terms like we believe in full equity we believe in humanity for all that means immigrants lgbtqia right like everything we believe in all like it is in detail yeah right it and and it says, like, there's languaging around, like, you can believe whatever you want to believe in terms of, like, re- religious, right? You have religious freedom. You have whatever, whatever, whatever. However, and actually, but if you don't believe in equity, if you don't believe in liberation for all. Right. Yeah, no, that's going to be a no for us. You're, you're no longer qualified. You're no longer. That's qua- exactly. It's, it's you're not, not qualified about, to work here. That's the thing. It's not it's discrimination. Not, it's not discrimination. It's like you don't actually meet the qualifications you do the qualifications. Job. Right. I need you to have done enough work, enough anti-racism, anti-oppression, decolonial, unsettling work on yourself to be right. at a particular evolutionary point in your general accompliceship yep. to be able to work here. Because yeah. I don't have the capacity nor the time to teach you those things. Right. I need you to come in on with the basic fundamental premise that you understand social constructs, you understand identity privilege, you understand where you fall in that positionality, and right. you understand when to step up, when to pull back within the dynamic of the company, yeah. within the dynamic of the world, how you're showing up, and also because you are an ambassador of this company. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, that's in there. And then when obviously like the time commitment and how we operate, but even in the interview process, I start off before we even start interviewing them. I'm like, we will tell you, let me tell you everything about this company. Let me tell you everything about how I operate. And I tell people like, you're, you're used to a lot of structure and a lot of people telling you what to do. There is structure because without structure, you have chaos. Yeah. But I'm not going to hold your hand. I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm not. No one is going to micromanage you. Nobody's going to be overloading. Like, this is how we operate here. In fact, if you don't hear from me for a couple of days, it's not because you're in trouble. It's not because I don't like you or think you're doing an amazing job. It's because you're doing such a good job. I don't have to talk to you. Like, I don't have to check in because maybe we're not working on a project together at that particular moment or we don't have a check in or whatever. Right. And this is how we communicate. Well, these are the methods with which we communicate. These are the expectations around communication. This is this, this is that, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Is that still something that you are interested in? Do you have questions around that? This is not a trick. We are an open <laughs> book. Yeah. Like, and then, and some people will will be really thrown because they're not used to that process. And so I'll sit and I'll say, look, we can sit and wait for a minute. Like, there's no rush. Yeah, take like, it you in. Know <laughs> if, I'm going to go grab coffee. I'll come back you know, like whatever. And then if they say, yes, this is still a place I want to work. Cool. Now we're going to start interviewing you. Yeah.
0: And there's some people and like this level of self-awareness is really important. There's some people who can't operate with that freedom, with that, that, yep. like that much space that they really need, like check the box, like yep. regular check-ins and like mm-hmm. not every, co- and you know, you listener, your company may be set up to provide that. And if so great, And some people's companies are not set up for that and they don't want it to be that way. And also fine. It's just about having the match between how you want (laughs) to be and having the support from people
1: who are going to be able to not just function, but really thrive in that kind of environment. But I think it's also important. Is like, so one of the things that we do is we have an internal, we have internal Calendly links Mm -hmm. for 30, 45 and hour long meetings with me on my books that obviously only the team has. So it's like, because you are the right fit for this company and you understand that like you don't have to check in with me to prove that you're doing your job and you're worthy and all of this because I hired you and you're on this team because I think you're exceptional at what you do and I like am so grateful that you're here so you have the freedom even if you just want to check in and be like hey how I have have had people do that I just want to check in and make sure I'm on the right path yeah you know or I want to check in around some project things before I get too much deeper whatever that check-in is. And I give you the autonomy to decide how much of my time you need because I trust that you are not going to, one, exploit that. And yeah. two, you're not going to waste my time just right. to like hold your hand and make you feel good. And if you do need that, you're. I've also have people on the team who are like, literally, I just need you to tell me I'm doing great because I'm still working through my own shit. Cool. I'll tell you how, how amazing you are. No problem, right? But it's like, the, even those things are really important. Like, setting that up and setting a clear expectation and transparency around like, this is what you can expect from me. This is how you have access mm-hmm. to me. This is what I expect from you. Yep. And if that works for you, don't come on board. And if it doesn't all good, right. but this is how we move here. And can you move in the same way? Yep. And Enjoy to your it. point, not everyone, just no, yeah. not everyone can do that.
0: And I, I think that's the thing. I think so much of, of getting this right, like for people who are on this like kind of path to create institutions that are less oppressive, more liberatory. The starting point is really always, what are those values that you have? What what is it that you're trying to embody? And then getting really clear on like, am am I as a leader able to provide that environment and not be triggered all the time and not be worried about what people are doing? (laughs) And it's like because you need to create more or less structure for your for what you want to build, mm-hmm. you know, and I will say, you know, and we're kind of we're at the point where we've gotten to, you know, we have a lot of team members. We're growing. I had to hire someone who has who actually is more of a keeper of policies and checking mm-hmm. in with people because I I'm all like, just do your thing. But the company actually (laughs) requires something different now, like, you know, requires a little bit more process. So then you bring those people in, but it's still within the culture of, yes, we're, we're still not going to be time clocking people in and out. we're still not going to be like, if somebody's sick, we're not asking for doctors. Not like, Mm -hmm. we're not like, you know, we're not, we're not doing these things. We're not going to be having this like attitude that like people are lucky to have a job. Right. We're not, we're not going to be doing that. We're in, uh we want to be in a relationship with our teams and even with our clients where we are mutually appreciative of each
1: other. Yes. You know what I mean? Reciprocal and like, Right. Relationships. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And so just that, I think that is probably the next thing to explore. Like, what does that even, how, how do you move in an agency where you feel like you are in a in a reciprocal right relationship, yeah, and not walking around like I'm the boss. uh, whatever I say, and I can mm-hmm. I'll let you go, and you too. And if you don't right. like it, you don't need to be here. And you should be lucky that you even got a job in this
1: pandemic. Right. Like that. Th- uh, there's
0: a lot of people rolling so around tough. here
1: <laughs> with that attitude. No, they are. They are. I know they are. But it's just wild. To like, me. Stop. Yeah, I mean, and that just that attitude is corporate trauma. One hundred percent
0: what a leaders have kind of taken with them because that has been, they have been managed that way
1: ingrained in them. Yeah.
0: And so that's just how they are walking around here because like, they just feel like they could do what they want.
1: Right. Right. I mean, and I think it's important, right. To, to know what you need as a leader, like even for your own peace of mind, like for me, I don't need to know what you're doing and where you're at every second of every day, but like yeah. we use Airtable, you know, as project management. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's like for me, again, as a leader, what do I need? I just need to know that, like, if I need to at any given moment, I can check in to see where we're at on a project. Yep. Same. So that one, if I need to shift deadlines or other things, I could not deadlines. I, I'm still battling my own language, but, you know, deliverable dates or uh, time expectations, I can do that. And, and without having to tap on people all the time, without having to be like, where are you on this? And what is this? And what is that? Instead, it's like, Cool, we got this. We have Airtable. I can just go and check and I can see where we are in the progress. Done. Boom. Right. When somebody's sick, we've created a collaborative community. We've created right relationship between all of ourselves on the team and all of the clients so that if someone's sick, they can say, yo, I'm not feeling good. And every time without fail, everyone jumps in, what can I take off your plate? Right. Right. So it's like you don't get overwhelmed then when you do get back to work. You can rest, truly rest. Yeah. Right. You can truly recover. You know, there's often like a, do you want me to send you soup? Like because yeah. people yeah. are truly invested in each other's well being because that's the community that you've created.
0: Right. I I had a conversation with a poor like woman over at the financial aid office of my son's school. Right. And I felt so bad because she was like, I am so sorry that I haven't gotten back to you. I went on vacation, which she should have the right to do. She went on her. Yes. you know, summer two week vacation before the start of the school. And she doesn't have support. So she came back from vacation and is basically now two weeks behind. Yeah. That is not a vacation. Like that. Yeah. That's not a vacation. If you're worried about now you have to just like do, you're still doing the work. You're just having to do it. Consolidated across. Like that's not, this that's stuff. not that stuff. That's not how that works, y'all. That is not how yeah. vacation works. Like, you should be able to unplug and come right back into your job without now. Basically, you have to pay for your vacation. You have to do all the work still. How are we calling that vacation?
1: Right. No. When people on our team go on vacation, it's like, what are what were your responsibilities over these weeks? Who can pick it up? If no one else can, I do. And also, what can just wait? Well, that's the thing. Yeah. What, like, what what can we shift? What does not matter? And what is important? Like, right. I'll pick it up. Because that's the other thing that I've noticed in leaders who are reproducing corporate trauma is it's like, well, I've gotten to the position of CEO or leader or right. whatever or boss. So, like, I'm not doing that grunt work. Like, I tell everybody on the team, I can do every single one of your jobs. Yeah. And not in a threatening way of like, I could do your job. So you better do it, you know, because I can replace you. No. I can do every single one of your jobs because I've done every single one of your right. jobs. So if you are really at a point where you are behind for whatever reason, you go on vacation, whatever, it's a quick conversation. Yo, I need help with this or this really can't wait. I can't defer this, it, you yeah. know, but it needs to get done. But I'm about to go on vacation. Cool, I'll do it. Right, It's not that deep. I'll get it done. I'd rather you go on vacation and be completely unplugged. Right. Right. And if you are in a position of leadership where you are not willing to do that, that is also a great right. indicator that you are reproducing oppressive systems. Especially system.
0: if you can't, you know, if you can't pay someone else to do it, yeah, you know, like because you could also like get to the point where you have yeah. you have a big enough team that people are cross trained. And so you don't have maybe you don't have to do it. But like, it's your, you have engaged in solving the problem. Like you mm-hmm. haven't just been like, well, I ain't doing it. So when you get back, y'all better back, figure it, it out. Right. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is on, on the team, like everybody for the most part is cross trained. So it's like, right. even if someone just needs help, they're not going on vacation. They literally just need help. Right. We have people who have kids. We have people who are in school, yeah, we have all kinds of stuff are doing their own really cool creative things. Like, you should be able to do all the things and not be like, now I have to do a hundred hours of work. No, instead, I'm just going to ask for help. Someone's going to show up with a helping hand, and my job, my employer, my team is not going to make it mean something about me.
0: Right? Exactly. Exactly. So, I think that's a lot for folks to. Take I know in. we did
1: just like dump all the things on yeah. people. I
0: would love. That's to That's just the beginning. If you, yeah, it, it really is. I would love to hear if people have questions about this or other things that they are thinking that this brings to mind, you can pop them in on an IG where we share this episode on our IG page. You can go in and comment. That's the best place to like really find. You
1: know what we'll do? Cause we do not use the, that's not how that works page. Like ever. We hardly ever do. We're gonna post this episode to the stories, and in there, oh, yeah. where you know, you can do the, like the question feature. Yeah, and we'll take all of those, and either we'll give you a, an episode number two, maybe we'll even do an IG live. Who knows? Oh yeah, that would be
0: good. That's a great so idea. Yeah, that is what we so, will do for y'all. Look up, uh, look us up, find us on IG. Look for the story and respond to the question.
1: Yes. Perfect. Also, I want people to listen to these episodes that we've already done. Yes. For more on this. Episode 18, Protect Your Peace. Episode 63, People Over Profit, or People Or Profit, rather. Episode 72, Before We Lead, We Must Heal. Episode 75, Decolonizing Professionalism and Work.
0: I love how you're like our show historian and archivist. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, I just want people to go listen to those, especially if you're a melanated person. Protect Your Peace is for everybody, but it was really from Trudy and my lens of like, what does it mean to be melanated? What does it mean to be marginalized in your racial identity? And how do you navigate the world to protect your peace? Mm -hmm. Um, But remember, when we liberate the most marginalized against amongst us from the epicenter of privilege to the fringes of marginalization, we all benefit. So Mm -hmm. while this was totally centered around melanated folks, everybody from the epicenter of privilege to the fringes of marginalization can, can take something from the protect your peace episode. So go listen to those four episodes as well to really expand on a lot of these things and concepts. And then this episode will come out. I don't know. It's going to be the next episode that comes out. So in like a week or two, I don't know, September something or other. So stay tuned. Follow Not How That Works. Follow According to Weez. Follow Trudy LeBron. And um, I think that's all I've got.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. We good. All All right, y'all. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank y'all for listening to this episode of That's Not How That Works. To become part of our community
1: and to continue the conversation, please join us in the Facebook group. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and if you have a moment, leave a written review because it'll help people find us. Until next time, this is Trudy. And I'm Louise, And we out.